22nd of February 2024. Um, just me again tonight, guys. So we're going to preview the big Group 1 meeting down there at Caulfield with the three Group 1s. And then there's a couple of little small races there at Rose Hill. We're only actually going to touch on two of them. And i got one horse to watch around the grounds, the usual uh, $100 strategy, and, of course, some Friday tips. Now, there is a little bit of disclaimer with the Friday tips. There's one at Canterbury that I really do like, but keep an eye out for the weather because I do not want it to be a heavy deck. So, summary from the weekend just gone. So we spent, or I spent, 28.5 units for a return of 33.9 back in. Now, it was all the Friday tips that seemed to really kook it for me um, because not one of them came off. It was 0 and 3, and then Saturday came back, and uh, we jagged a couple of winners there, which was really nice. So we jagged Samana there, so we survived a ridiculous protest um, for Valencia. That was a really good win. Uh, Vidad and King Colorado, we had a two-bet play in that. Backed both, and we were left egg on our face with um, Riff Rocket absolutely rocketing through to take that out. And I think he is seat 1A now for that Australian Guineas because I know I got it wrong, and I thought he was probably more an 1,800-meter, 2,000-meter horse, and he's just come back enormous, over 1,400 meters. So I think he'll likely go there to the Australian Guineas and probably onto the Australian Cup, which I think he's a great chance in that as well. Um, Vidad was very good, and King Colorado is obviously on track, but he was just met a better horse. Uh, we also backed Learning to Fly, who I saw was simply enormous. She was jagged back from that wide gate by Chad Schofield. He somehow managed to find the rail, save ground around the bend, and the way she kind of faded out to the side, uh, cross heels, and then got into clear air and absolutely rocketed through to the line. Now, what we've got to remember, that was coming off 11 months off, over a whole year off from her two-year-old season where she um, had that unfortunate incident there in the slipper. And if you go back and look at the sectional data, she actually copped the very similar uh, final 600-meter splits to that of Fangirl, who was simply enormous. I thought it was Winx just in pink silks in the Apollo Stakes. So she got 10.75 200-meter split between the four and the two, which is again was uh, the same faster sectional that um, Fangirl copped. Uh, I think moving into the surround stakes in, I think it's a week or two's time, I think she's an absolute moral in that. And I think the only horse that could potentially, and I say this, potentially give her a shake is Macarena because I thought she was very good first up also. So I think follow learning to fly into this prep. We also back to his our Bonneville, who I thought was great. He ran to fourth annoyingly um, after backing him each way, but I wouldn't be dropping up him, particularly heading into up towards the mile in a similar sort of grade. I also uh, made mention of Redstone Wall. Now, I did have concern with him remaining at the mile, and he drifted crazily there on Betfair. I think he drifted to about $7 or just shy of $7 there, and he came through and won really nicely. So he was a really nice one. Um, it was good to see the $100 strategy return in the positive. Now, have you been following the $100 strategy and uh, backing it accordingly? You'd have a 21% return on your investment. So I think it would be around the 700 and 
$20 mark, I think, off about $600. So it's heading in the right direction. And we'll, we'll mention a few. I've got four horses in the $100 strategy uh, this prep. So I thought I'd talk about some horses uh, or some news articles that have come out this week also briefly. So I know I saw a lot of um, a lot of articles come out about Fango and is she the best horse in the country, particularly over the mile to 2,000 metres. And you could probably suggest she is, but the only problem with her is she's not as versatile as, say, a horse like Mr. Brightside who handles all going. Uh, if she's on a soft six or better, Fangirl is the best, but anything worse, and I would be putting a pen to her because she just can't run on uh, heavy going. Now, the slipper market was interesting, so I thought Switzerland's run um, it was very good on the weekend, just gone. He stamped himself as a genuine chance. It's going to be tough for him to beat Stormboy, particularly given that they are both Coolmore, but I think they've certainly got seat one and uh, seat 1A and seat 1B uh, for that market. And it will be interesting to see how what happens to that slipper market after we see the, the Blue Diamond this weekend. I thought Shangri-La Express was really good. Um, uh, I certainly don't think it's a top liner when you compare them to the figures that Stormboy, Switzerland... Uh, probably Lady of Camelot as well are all putting up, but she's certainly a great, uh, great horse. <laughs> I think this was the biggest news of the of the day was Craig Williams' ride on Jimmy Starr. Um, I thought, given the way the race panned out and everything like that, yes, he went against the the trainer and owner's wishes in terms of the race, but I think Craig thought he was doing what was best for the horse and putting it in a winning position. It's not like he's going to go out there and try and lose a race deliberately. I think he just made a decision that obviously backfired in the end. But interestingly enough, no one made mention of his brilliant ride on Riff Rocket um, there. So no one really congratulates him, but it's all about the negativity. So I think uh, Jimmy Starr's not as good a horse as everyone makes him out to be. And good horses would have won that race wherever they ended up in, in race and run. And I think he's overrated. And I think that's simple as that. And obviously, we'll touch on Imperatries. I thought she was absolutely enormous, as was Private Eye and Bella Nipotina in that uh, Lightning. Now, she actually copped a bit of wind there, and as you could see, I Am Stoppable just dropped off like he fell off a cliff, and Imperatries just kept running on through. And I thought the race shape was quite weird. Just seeing Private Eye lead a race for the first time was very, very puzzling, but the race was, was a really good watch, and I just think the three-year-olds, if you go back and watch Cylinder and I Am Unstoppable, I think they're very overrated, and I think there's probably maybe one or two horses who I think could make it uh, in the top line, but I guess the jury's still out on them. But I think it's his last year's two-year-old crop, and... Um, the current three-year-old crop, I think they are quite white weak. So that moves into this weekend. So we were at Rose Hill on Saturday. Now the feature race is the Group 2 Hobartville. We've then got the uh, Silver Slipper and the Parramatta Cup. Now the weather has been a bit up and down here, um, down there in Sydney. So on Monday they copped a bit of rain. Tuesday uh, copped a bit of rain. They're expecting a bit of rain tomorrow, around 15 mils, and then Saturday it's going to be fine. But again, we know how inconsistent the Bureau of Meteorology can be, so they may not cop the rain. So that would be ideal. So... With my bet, like there's one horse that I really want to bet, and it's mainly a heart bet. It's not really a head bet. She doesn't. Prefer, she doesn't really like it wet. So I wouldn't be back it if we are. If we're in a soft five, maybe even soft six or worse, I'd be having having a go each way. But I don't. If she's in this, if it's in the soft seven or worse, I won't be having a bet. 
So the first race I want to touch on is race four, which is the Silver Slipper. So this is probably arguably the last of the big or the major um, lead-up races to the Slipper. I think we've got the Todman still to come, which is where potentially Storm Boy's going, but don't quote me on that. So this is one of the last ones. Uh, you got the Gaybot two-year-old Juggernaut continuing with these two in Espionage and Straight Charge going at it. I think both horses are great chances in the Slipper. I think they will Quinella this race, and I actually love seeing Nash getting back on some Gaybot horses like the old times. So I think it's simple as that. I just think it's between these two, and it's going to be good to see who, who gets out on top. Now, the race I actually really want to discuss is race seven there, the group two, Millie Fox. So that's a 1,300-meter fillies and mares race there. Um, I think it's race seven. Now, it's a really good race, and there's a lot of good horses getting around in it that I'm quite keen to, to see resume. Now, obviously, we've got Lady Laguna at the top of the market, who is absolutely airborne at the moment. She uh, had that second first up, and has then got a brilliant run of, of three wins. Now, um, she's knocked off some handy horses in those three wins, which is a good thing now. The interesting thing I see is that J-Mac has jumped off her to jump on Zugotcha now. I think this may be related to J-Mac not being able to ride at 55 kilos, but I'm not 100% sure. But he always seems to ride Zugotcha. So you go back and look through, there's quite a few, um, like you look at them all, and he's pretty much ridden her the majority of them outside of a couple. So Lady Goon is doing well, handles all going, and I think is um, a really good horse who's absolutely flying. And you know what they say about mares in form? Just continue to back them. We've then got Zoo Gotcha there, who his trials have been okay without blowing me away. Now, the horse, if you go back through its form, it's had, what, seven starts on soft going, soft or heavy going for uh, four wins in a second. So it does prefer the soft going, and it's only won once um, and not placed at five goings on good, good decks. We've then got Vienna Princess, who is a very good horse in her own right. She did beat, um, she did win the Silver Eagle in very, very impressive fashion last uh, last prep, albeit at really big odds, around fifteen dollars. She did knock off Straight Acer, Pericles, and Benedetta, and Ruthless Dame, and a couple of other horses who are and Grabini. That's another one we've, we've spoken about. So I think she's right up to it. Trials have been pretty sound. She's had three of them leading up to this prep, so. I think she could be wound up to ready to go. And she's actually, she's never won on the heavy or soft going, but she certainly performed in it. And being by Schnitzel, excuse me, you always know that they seem to handle their heavy going. And that brings me, oh, and then we've got How Good Are You, who I thought was quite flat first up. Uh, carried the 59 kilos in Amy McLucas and was beaten quite convincingly by Gent, uh, Gent, Gently Rolled. So I'm not sure whether the horse has come up this prep or not. Let's just wait and see. Horse hasn't won second up before. Has never actually seen um, heavy going. So has seen the soft once, and that was the last prep of the soft five. So let's just wait and see with her. And then you got Madame Pomery, Nash on board, loves it heavy going, doesn't like it soft. So I think she comes right into it with that. Trial was all right. And then we've got a horse that I really like in Leg Varte. Now, she was a revelation last prep. We backed her there at Newcastle in, a, in that BM78 where I think we took double-figure odds and she was backed into about the $4.80 with Parler on board. She then went to a Billy's and Mare's BM78, carrying the 61.5 kilos and lapped them up very, very easily. Um, and then she finally went to the Group 3 Queen of the Turf or Belle of the Turf, I think it's called, and she absolutely blew them away very easily. Tommy keeps the ride. I think the trial has been very nicely, and we know what, um, 
uh, how good Joe uh, Joe Pride is as a trainer. So if we have the heavy deck, I won't be backing her. But if we're on the soft going, I think uh, she's a great chance. All right, so now we move to the core field, uh, I guess the, the feature card or the feature venue for the weekend. So... Caulfield, we've got we had a bit of storm activity this afternoon and this evening. So Pakenham was actually abandoned after I think third race because of lightning and and storm in the area. So it doesn't look like they've seen a huge amount of rain, but they've just had the storm activity. Now the rails, uh, the, it's currently a good four, but no doubt they'll be putting some irrigation down if they haven't received any rain. Now the rails are out four meters. So if you go back and look at the um, Oh, what was the first race? The, the CFO day two weeks ago, the rail was in the true position there and you could kind of see the horses were coming off the rails probably in lanes three, four, five and even coming down the middle of the track because that kind of inner ground was certainly the inferior ground on the day. So what they've done is they've moved the rails out. So what I'm doing is, I'm, well, what I'm expecting is, is fair racing on Saturday and you go back and look at the wind, there's no real wind about either, which is a good thing. So I think we're going to have fair racing and it's going to be nice to see it's not sunny days uh, the first race I want to touch on is race 2 the BM84 over the 1100 metres so um, you'll see Midtown Boss a horse that you uh, probably aware that I have a big opinion of racing there. Now, I thought the horse was very good uh, in that race that was actually won by Ray Magnerio, who's who's in the market or in the top five in the market there for the Group 1 Oakley Plate. So I thought he was very good second up. Now, that race that, race that he had was, th- he was uh, coming back off 33 days between runs, and they had this weird little jump out between it. So one would suggest either he's missed a run or their planning hasn't uh, been ideal for this race so I think he's going to be wound up very ready to go over this and I really like him drawn out because it means that excuse me he come down the middle of the track and he's going to he's not going to have to lead like he did on that other day where he sat outside lead where it was very on pace bias uh, Ray McNeary obviously was awesome in that run kind of got the suck run or that that cheap run up the rails and then peeled out and then absolutely blitzed them over the the final 200 meters um kin now kin's the the danger horse for me in this race um did clock the races oh sorry the meetings fastest last 200 in that race um just hates winning that horse so i think it's what two from 18 so it's got an 11 percent winning strike rate but does love to place um obviously jay car on board drawn really nicely in barry six i think it is a danger horse but when you go back and look through these horses i think midtown boss is a group class horse and i think he'll show that on the weekend so if you're looking at it from a betting perspective i would have to be having a medium medium to large bet on midtown boss we then go to race five there, which is the Group 2 Autumn Classic over 1,800 metres for the three-year-olds. Now, Caracas is a black booker of mine. I backed him off his debut there at Sale, where he just got a mile back and rocketed to the line. I then backed him up again there at Packenham, where he blew like a gale, which was weird. So he opened around the $3 mark and then uh, blew out to about $6 mark before the race started. But he still got the job done, coming from an absolute mile back, and he clocked some very, very good late sectionals. So he's got a big engine. Uh, he's got a big engine, and I think probably 1,800 metres might not be his pet trip. I think 2,000 metres is probably more going to be his go. But I think given we're on the big track, I think it will be uh, really suited here in this race. 
The only mild concern I do have for there for Caracas is his barrier and his racing pattern. So I think from barrier uh, two, I think the worry for him is he's getting jagged back on the rails, which I don't really want to see and having to see him try and navigate his way through traffic. Because I think with barrier one, you can probably see our Corver, I think, will likely lead this race. So I think the only danger to me in this race is United Kingdom. Uh, the horse was very, very good um, on debut. Um, he essentially raced against older horses. He was open around the dollar eighty mark, and then he got backed into about a dollar thirty-three. So they weren't afraid to back him in on debut. Um, he was enormous, beat them quite convincingly. Um, he keeps the services of D Lane, and um, I think given his barrier, I think he's likely probably going to get it a nice little clear run down the outside and loop them around. Um, in terms of ability, I think Caracas probably has a slightly larger or slightly better ability and bigger bigger turn of foot. So I, I'm leaning towards him, and I'd probably be if I was having a like a I guess outlining my staking here, I'd probably go in a meeting bet on Caracas and a saver on United Kingdom. We then go to the Futurity, which is race seven. Um, I think Mr. Brightside just wins this. He's got the best rating in this field. He's the only genuine wait for age horse. And if you are one of those people who like to take the shorts about or trying to get a, a 50% increase in your bank, um, I'd be having a small little saver on Attrition, who I think is a very, very good horse in his own right. And he's jumped out really nicely, and I'm actually really keen to see him this prep. He's just not on the same level to me uh, as Mr. Brightside. So betting-wise, be having a large bet on Mr. Brightside and a saver on Attrition, or you can just back Attrition to place if you like those sort of odds. We then go move to the feature race there, the Blue Diamond. So this is a 1,200-meter group one for the two-year-olds. Um, now, this is a brewing addition to this race. Now, usually there's a, a good interstate horse or a standout Victorian, but this year it is just so open with so many different form lines, opinions, and lead-up races, which is fantastic. So... I'm going to be, it'd be good to listen to all the pros and like your, your tipping shows and, and reading all, all those articles to see who everyone's picking because I think it's, it's going to be a really interesting race and there's a lot of different angles you can have. The interesting thing I see about this Blue Diamond though is when I compare the market here of the Blue Diamond, now I do understand that this is one type, like the current stage of prep, um, the track that we're at and barriers and jockey bookings and weather and all that kind of stuff and understand that they are considerations in this particular market for the Blue Diamond on Saturday but you look back and through and have a look at the slipper market for a lot of these horses so you got Lady of Camelot who's sitting there third in line of betting uh, in the slipper around um I think around the $7 mark I haven't checked recently you've then got Coleman who's a lot longer than Bodyguard at $17, now Bodyguard's $15. You've then got Fearless at 21s. Now it's it's $34 in this market. High Octane is $21. Stay Focus is $26. And Anisa is $51 in the slipper. So the market for this blue diamond is very, very interesting when you compare it to the slipper market. Um, so there's a lot of winning chances here, and I'm going to touch on about seven or eight horses, and then I'll just give my um, my two cents then on how I'd approach this from a betting perspective. But disclaimer here, I will not be betting in this race. It'll just be a sit and watch for me, given they're two-year-olds and some of them are seeing 1,200 for the first time. 
So Coleman, he's the undefeated horse. Um, I think he's a very good horse. But how will he handle a 1,200-meter high-pressure race like this blue diamond in a big field is, is the interesting thing for me. Now, you go back and look through history, and three of the last 20 winners have done the 1,000-meter first up run into the 1200 meters so i'm leaning towards others in that race and if you go back and watch it he kind of had what we call a pr or he was his perfect race where he kind of jumped really nicely <coughs> sat handy and it was one of those days where it was favorable to be the up and in or near the rails so that he kind of had that run and if you go back and watch it eliza was given an absolute shocker by um, by Damien Lane, but she was rocketing home, and I think she was making up good ground about him late. So, in terms of how this race sets up, I think I'm more leaning towards her over Coleman, but I think he's certainly up there in the market and deserves to be up there in close to favoritism. We've then got Lady Camelot, who's drawn very nicely in Barrier Four. Now, in my opinion, I think she should be favourite, and obviously the slipper market reflects that, being having her in third line of betting. Um, but her figure first up uh, was enormous. She clocked some really good sectionals, and she's got that 1,100-meter run under her belt, which is something Coleman doesn't have. Now, obviously, we know how freakish the Gaybot two-year-olds are at the present moment, um, and I think she's a, literally a ripping chance. And Adam Hieronymus, he's one of those underrated jockeys there at the moment in Australia, and um, I'm hoping he can get a Group 1 to his name with Lady of Camelot. Now, we've got, then got Bodyguard, who's very good in the prelude, but like I said about PRs, I think he got that there in that prelude race again, given the race shape and where he ended up in running. Now, he did open up 320 in that race and then drifted to 420. Now, I was reading an article this morning when I was like starting to do the form on racing.com, and they uh, were saying that Bodyguard was found to be lame, so they're looking, he'll have to pass a, a vet's examination in the lead-up to Saturday before uh, they give him the green light to run. So that's a bit of a query for me. Then got High Octane, who's a very inexperienced horse and doesn't quite know what he's fully doing yet, but I know he's got ability. Go back and watch that race there. That was won by Bodyguard. He kind of wobbled around the bend, and but the market loved him because I think he started around the 220, 230 mark. So he's got a great chance. We've touched on Anisa, who obviously we had a shocker from Lane, but flopped out the back, but I think he'll be better suited up to around the 1,200 metres. You've got Stay Focused, who, like High Octane, is a very mature horse who's got a big engine underneath him, but he just doesn't know how to use it yet. Now, Matisse is one at odds that I think is a really good chance. Now, her final 200 metres was the best of the day last start behind Hayasugi and Kuroyanagi, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, so I think she's a really good chance. And if they're coming down the middle of the track, I think um, I wouldn't be leaving her out of quaddies, multiples, and those sorts of things. Now, Fearless is a horse in my black book. Um, I thought the Barry's a little bit sticky, but he was really, really good behind Prost in that Canterbury Stakes. Um, and we know the Snowdens, a bit like Gaybot, they're very good at educating their two-year-olds uh, about what to do. So I think Fearless is something, a horse that you wouldn't, again, leave out of your multiples. And the other one that I really like is Flyer, the, the Jason Warren horse. Now, horse was very professional on debut. I did back it around the $6 mark. I only had a small bet, so it was nothing significant. Now, the way the horse hit that gap um, and, and really accelerated through the line was very professional for a horse that was on debut. And if you go back and look at the, the times there, the BM64, which was won by Robrick later in the day, was actually two, le- two lengths slower than what uh, Flyer put up first up. So I think you could have worse 126 to one shots in this race and does get the services of John McNeil.
I think under my head, I think Lady of Camelot, uh, first up run was enormous. And I think that will probably put it in good stead for a race like this. But I also do really like the run, um, the horses in Matisse, Felis and Anisa. So honestly, I wouldn't be having a bet. And if you're looking at it from a quality perspective, you could, I'd probably, I'd probably be including uh, Coleman in that. And I'll just get, yeah. So in terms of numbers, I'd be going Four, eight, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And if in her eyes gets into the field, highly unlikely chuck her in as well. So yeah, tough race, <laughs> very tough race, but great watching race. And I think it could, it could throw up a bit of a roughie. We then move on to the third of the group ones today, which uh, on Saturday, sorry, which is the Oakley Plate, the 1100 meter handicap. Now, traditionally, they usually go helter for skelter in these races, so there's a lot of pressure and a lot of speed. So you find um, that the horses are more suitable for the, those horses that really like fast paced races. So you have a look at the speed map here, and you've got quite a few horses that have led or been handy and run. Uh, in their previous races, you've got Recommendation, Brudenell, Najim Sahail, Hypothetical West 4, and Sharipa all have shown speed and sat handy in their races. So that's quite a quite a significant amount of speed influences. So then we look at the horses that are here. Now, King's Gambit, he's enormous. He's a great horse. I've got um, a big opinion of him. And obviously, as, as listeners would know, I did back him in the slipper last year, despite him um I guess sweating up there in the mounting yard and carrying on. I just think this horse has a lot of ability. It's just whether or not he's put it all together now. Now, I love him with 50 kilos. Jamie Carr flew up to to Sydney to trial him twice. So obviously he's been in prep for this particular race. My concern for him though is barrier one. And given his race uh, manners and I guess his ability to settle and all that sort of stuff, that's what concerns me for him. Now he could get parked in what, three, four pairs back on the fence. And if Jamie Carr has to navigate with this horse, good luck. Um, So... That's my concern with him, but I do concede he he probably deserves to be favourite for this. We've then got Asfora. Um, I thought she was really plain first up behind Callis. I thought she was a really good chance given given her form lines around Imperatrice's last prep, but I don't know if she's up to it at the moment. And Barry 11's a bit sticky for her and obviously being top weight also. We then move on to a girlfriend of mine in uh, Benedetta. Um, she's awesome. I'll be backing her regardless of my confidence. So that's a bit of a disclaimer for everyone listening now. I will be backing Benedetta. Um, I'll probably be backing her stupidly in terms of my unit staking, but she owes me nothing and she's a very, very good horse in my opinion. Um, Now, head aside, obviously, I think she's drawn really nicely in barrier five. I think she maps to get just um, absorb that pressure just behind the speed, and I think she'll get a really good chance to launch at them late. I love that Daniel Stackhouse is lowering his weight down to 53 kilos so he can ride her, and I've loved her jump out. So I think she's a ripping chance around the $10 mark. We've then got Sharipa, who's a very, very good hawk horse, who's really rising through the grades amazingly this prep. Um, I thought the Standish win was very, very arrogant and very nice to watch. Um, the concern, obviously, is this is another step up in grade. Does carry 55 kilos and has to concede a decent amount of weight to a couple of youngsters who I think have a lot more ability than it. Um, trial was really nice, however, at Morfield on the 8th of February. 
We've then got Ray Magnerio, who just continues to produce big figures and fast times. Now, obviously, we'll get a good guide about how Midtown Boss goes in there in race two. Now, this is his fourth run for the prep and his seventh since September, I think it is. Um, he does get a big drop in weight. So from about the 59 and a half kilos, I think I looked out to around the 52 kilos with Jai McNeil on board. Don't be too concerned by barrier 12 because it is that shoot race where the, the wide barriers aren't hindrance, a hindrance for anyone. And then finally, the one at odds is Lampica for me. Now, she's four from five first up. She was a normal first up last prep and second up, obviously in very much weaker grade, but I think she's a really good horse and um, I think she's one that, could surprise a few, but I don't think she's up to the standard of, of some of those more uh, fancied runners in the market. Uh, in terms of a bet, I will be backing Benedetta. Uh, rain, hail, or shine, I think she's a ripping chance, but I do concede there's a lot of ripping chances, and I think Carlos could win. I think, yeah, King's Gambit for win. I think uh, Mornington Glory, a horse I've got a lot of opinion, can win. Um, so, And I think Sharippa can win as well. So go relatively wide in your quaddy, but I will be backing Benedetta. I'll briefly touch on race 10 there as well. So, obviously, there's... Uh, um, oh, it's just come out. I oh, know it hasn't. Sorry. I was just checking the market. So, I think Eternal Flame is a ripping chance in this race. Um, it was a moral beaten last start in that Francis Trasati uh, or Trasati stakes there last week at Flemington. Now, Verevin Lucia obviously won that race, but I thought Eternal Flame deserved to win. Personally, I would have loved to see a step up to 1,600 metres, but I know that this is a group three that they're going after. Um, does obviously draw really, really nicely there in barrier eight to sit just behind that speed there, and I think she should be just winning. Uh, we now go to round the grounds. Now this isn't a bet or anything like that because the odds are shit house. But Ascot Race Five is a horse by the name of Live to Tell, so I guess this is the new boom horse there in WA. Um, she's a four-start three-year-old who's uh, somehow landed a quokka slot in that big race. So she'll be, I think, racing against uh, her stable mate in Amelia's Jewel. Um, trials have been very, very nice. And I think she's a group-class horse, but just a good one to watch around. And she's going around, I think, in a BM72 or something along those lines. Uh, we then get to the $100 strategy. So playing it relatively conservative this week. So I'm going to aiming to try and get one of my bets up at least so we can return at least $50 or a, have a 50% ROI uh, for the weekend. So I'm going to have $15 on Benedetta there at Caulfield Race 9 around the $10 mark. I'm going to have $45 on Mid-Down Boss there at Caulfield Race 2 around $3.30. We've got $30 on Caracas around the 5, 5.50 mark there at Caulfield Race 5. And then we're going to have $10 on Lec Varte, uh, Rose Hill Race 7 around the $13 mark. Now, that bet will change if it is a heavy going. All right, so that's a just wait to the day and see what's going on. Now, in terms of Friday tips, I've got uh, two tips. One... One, like I said at the start of the podcast, be wary with the weather. It's heavy going. I won't be betting just given the uncertainty at Canterbury. So that one is Canterbury Race 3 Merchant Lady. Now, the horse was enormous on debut there at Gosford. Now, it was one of those days at Gosford, which it always traditionally plays to those or favours those up and up and in but it was one of those days where it was very difficult to make up ground she did and she actually clocked the best 400 and 200 meter splits of the meeting now the bm64 over the thousand meters later on in the day was a quicker uh 
race. But if you go back and look, that horse that won that um, won by about two and a half lengths and then came out last Saturday in the midway BM72 and only went down by a length running second. So I think the horse is a very good horse. We then go to Mooney Valley Race 3, 5, Etna. I think that horse should be just winning, and the odds suggest that. And then we've got Mooney Valley Race 5. I've got two horses which I've backed at their last starts, and I think one of them could either win. So Verify was a black booker of mine after its first up run. It then went to a race at... Excuse me. A race at Caulfield there uh, behind another Will, who I think is a group class horse. He finished off really nicely and now does step up from the mile to 2,000 metres, which I think is his pet trip. And then we've got Lording, who was truckloaded in betting last start and was a moral beaten. Uh, does lose Johnny Allen and gains the services of Gun Ben Mellum. So I think it's a really good race. Uh, I think if it's one of those uh, races where it's favoring those on speed, don't back ver- verify, but I think he's a good chance. And I think I'd love seeing him get up to about 2,000 meters and you could probably put a saver there on Lording. Uh, so there's my three tips for the Friday, primarily Fire of Etna with Merchant Lady, weather dependent and verified dependent on track pattern there at Mooney Valley. Anyways, good luck on the punt, everyone, and I'll be back next week to preview the next weekend of racing.